Other Side of Midnight presents The Midnight Files. other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I tell you, one of the questions which I think many of us think about almost our whole lives, uh, from the time that we first achieve consciousness to the time when the days grow short and it's clear that the end is near, is what happens when you die? Is there an afterlife? What becomes of your consciousness? What becomes of your soul? Uh, do you get to meet God? Are you instantly bequeathed with all sorts of knowledge about all sorts of world events and international events and uh, otherworldly events? Well, somebody that might be in a good position to answer that is Nancy Dennison. Nancy Dennison knows a thing or two about this because she's actually seen what happens when you die. She's died before, almost 30 years ago. We'll find out about that in a moment. She's the author of five best-selling books detailing her experiences and the knowledge that she gained while temporarily in the afterlife following her death back in 1994. Nancy Dennison, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm having a great morning so far with you, Frank. <laughs> w- wonderful. Well, hopefully hopefully, uh, nothing too much will change. Now, uh, Nancy, you have a absolutely fascinating story. Uh, just before we talk about what happened in 1994, tell us about what your life was like prior uh, to March 14th, 1994. I know you were a very successful trial lawyer. You had a national reputation. You were working for a big, prestigious law firm. What else was like life for you? Uh, What else was life like for you prior to the incident that we're going to talk about? I only had work life. (laughs) I mean, I was pretty much consumed with... um practicing law, and I did participate on the boards or as volunteers for a number of national and local nonprofit organizations, you know, charities. Um, But other than that, I was just, I have always dedicated my life to doing what I think helps other people. And so that's what I did. Did did you have a a special interest in uh, in the afterlife or uh, the occult or ghosts or anything that we traditionally associate with communicating with the other side? No, I had been to a few psychics like most people, and I I did have a passing interest in it, but not not really. No, so it wasn't you weren't obsessed with the idea of reincarnation or thinking that you're Cleopatra in a previous life or something like that. 
No, in fact, I didn't even believe in reincarnation because I was reared as a Catholic, and that's not one of the things they teach. Okay. So what happened on March 14th, 1994? I was in the, ho- in the cancer hospital for uh, removal of three lesions in my right breast that were presumed to be cancerous. And because not all cancers form a lump for the surgeon to feel, um, some of them form calcium deposits that show up only on mammograms. I had to have a series of mammograms and have a needle stuck into the three tumors so that the surgeon would know where to cut. And I had an anaphylactic shock reaction to the local anesthetic, and also I had very, very low blood sugar. And so I died and went into the afterlife. And a great surprise to myself. I, I can imagine. Now, you were medically dead? You were considered dead? Yes. It um, took, well, after I got back into my body and I did return on my own, uh, the, the doctor and the radiology technician were in the room and they I told them that I had passed out, and they had a nurse come in take my blood pressure, and it was 60 over palpable, which means it had been lower than that before I got back into the body. And it took a half an hour for my blood pressure to come up from there. And then a few years later, when an MRI showed extensive brain damage from lack of oxygen. Not gray matter damage. It was white matter damage. <laughs> so I can still think, okay. Uh, no, I I, uh, I can see that uh, that's clearly the case. How long were you dead for? We're guessing 10 to 15 minutes. Well, do, do the doctors know based on your brain activity and everything else? No, because they were out of the room. I see. So you were not necessarily under medical supervision during this 10 to 15 minute period. No, I was completely alone until I came back into the body after the doctor and tech had come back into the room. So what did you see during this 10 to 15 minute time that you were dead? I saw that everything that I had learned about heaven and the afterlife from the Catholic Church was completely wrong. What actually exists, and I've been in the afterlife three times, is something far more glorious We are not our bodies. We are what we call the soul, and the soul is eternal. It is an integral part of our creator, and we choose to reincarnate as much or as little or none at all. We are completely masters of our own lives, of our own futures, and I saw I got the answers to all my existential questions. I saw a like a documentary video of how and why religions evolved the way that they did because I was so angry that you know everything I was learning was completely different from what I'd learned in Catholic schools that you know I think I was shown this video or this documentary to kind of calm me down. I spent some time actually merging into my five eternal friends one at a time or more than one at a time and living their physical lifetimes through them as them or as me. Never heard of anything like that before in my life. And then I watched creation of the universe from the beginning to the end. I watched Earth's creation and demise. And after all of that, I kind of woke up while in the afterlife 
to the knowledge that we souls are literally small parts of of God, of the Creator, and we're we have an amnesia about that while we're in the reincarnation phase. But then we can wake up and realize who we really are. And at the end of that, I kept saying, you know, I kept saying through the documentary and through creation of the universe and through waking up as as the creator, somebody's got to tell those people. You know, somebody's got to tell those people down on earth. And the next thing I know, I'm kind of being whirlwind back into Nancy's body while I'm saying, I didn't mean me. I wasn't volunteering for this. So in that first instance, did you consciously make the decision to go back into your body? I I don't remember doing that. I don't know whether it was my decision or whether it was the creator's. And and by the way, people just tuning in, we're talking with Nancy Dannison. If you want to learn more about her story, you can check out her website, nancydannison.com. It is Nancy with an I, D-A-N-I-S-O-N. She's the author of five books detailing the experiences that she had and the knowledge that she gained while temporarily in the afterlife. And just so folks are understand, understanding exactly what you're saying, that documentary that you say that you, that you view, that you watched, you watched that in the afterlife it wasn't an actual yes. documentary that you watched on earth no no it was it played in my mind and Com- complete with like somebody talking in my ear explaining things to me and then there were also like um tv chirons you know running along giving me time periods does god really sound like uh morgan freeman can you tell us that oh i wish uh no um what I call God, I call—I mean, I call Source instead of God. It has no physical characteristics whatsoever. It's pure energy. And what were the occasions that you visited the afterlife after that initial experience on, in March of 1994? I died a few months later, um, and I—I I don't really know why. Um, and I went back into the afterlife to meet with a group of light beings who were monitoring the mission I'd been given. And they basically told me, hey, you're not working on your mission. And I went, oh, okay, you know. And then I went back in the body and woke up from death, (laughs) you know, remembering that I was supposed to be working on my mission and not much else. And the second time it was similar. I I died from uh, very low blood sodium and went into the afterlife and met with a different council of light beings, two of which were my earth parents, were were Nancy's earth parents, Uh, and one of which was a guy I knew from the gym, which I was amazed that a a live human being could appear in the afterlife, but there they were, and they told me that Nancy was dying, that I could come home without being held against me, that I hadn't completed my mission, but I could also choose to stay with Nancy, and if I did, we would suffer for the rest of her natural life. And I felt so badly that I hadn't completed my mission, and I felt like I owed you know, the people on earth you know, the knowledge that I was carrying. And I also wanted to see what was going to happen, <laughs> so I chose to come back. Now, just so folks are, are clear, the your parents and the person that you knew from the gym – those weren't actually them, right? Those were just how they these beings appeared to you. Well, the my parents had predeceased me, so they were in the afterlife, 
and they at first appeared as you know just beings of energy, beings of light. But then they took on the faces of my parents for just a second or two. Um, the the human being from the gym, I don't know what the explanation for that is. I've read other um, near death experiencer accounts where you know one or two others have seen live humans in the afterlife. I don't know how that works. I, I think one question that a lot of listeners are going to wonder about in hearing your story is how do you know that this was the afterlife? We've certainly seen instances of when uh, people are uh, are suffering or close to death or maybe there's diminished oxygen to the brain that they could be experiencing some sort of a delusion. How, how, why and how are you so convinced that this was the afterlife and not a delusion of some sort? Well, I was completely healthy. I was not dying. I was sitting upright in a chair with a wire stuck in my breast, scared out of my mind that I was going to, you know, that they were going to find cancer. Uh, I was sweating and my heart was pounding and I just felt horrible. And then I started slowly getting out of my body and I could feel every second of it. So I was completely conscious, aware, awake, every moment of this experience. I have felt every single instance of my body shutting down, getting out of it, going into the afterlife. And as I went through these various stages of afterlife, like in the back of my mind, I was going, oh, yeah, I remember this. And the thing about the afterlife is, and every near-death experiencer who comments on it agrees, is way, 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 way more real than human life. You look back at human life and go, Oh, that was like having a dream, or it was like having part of me asleep and having this adventure. So it's, and also things occurred that I couldn't have hallucinated because I didn't even know they existed. I see. I see. And what about the the third instance of your visit to the afterlife? What were the circumstances there, and why did you make the decision to return to your temporal body in that instance? Well, that one, that was the one where I died from low blood sodium. I, I, ended, I ended up in the hospital for three days. I, when I came back into my body, I dialed 911, and I went to the hospital. And what did you learn about life on this earth when you were in the afterlife? I learned that human life is driven by two big engines. One is biology, and that is the result of evolution and the scientific principles that source God um, infused into the energy that creates the universe. The other is called manifesting. And manifesting is the power that the deity has to create physical matter, what humans perceive to be as physical matter. We souls live inside the biological entity that is run according to biological principles. We souls have the exact same power to manifest physical matter and physical life because we are part of the creator. And what we unconsciously do is we create life's events and opportunities in accordance with what we truly and deeply believe. So whatever you started believing as an infant in the womb, as a small child going through school, whatever those beliefs are, whether they're right or they're wrong, 
you will manifest for yourself a human life that matches those beliefs. No, so you, your first book on this subject was called Backwards, Returning to Our Source for Answers. And then you wrote a second book that was the result of trying to address so many of the questions that you got about your first book and the experience that you had. What were some of the most common questions that people asked you that led to the publication of that second book? Well, one, a lot of them were you know, the same questions you've been asking me. Uh-huh. Um, some people wanted to know whether the body could exist without the soul. They thought the soul was the, the engine or the power source for the body, and it's not. Um, they wanted to know whether um, you know, the deity is all-knowing and sees everything, and you know, if it loves you unconditionally, why would it punish you for breaking well, his, you know, most humans think God's a he. Um, and you, you read, you, you indicated that you thought that what you learned in the afterlife was inconsistent with what you had studied and been taught in Catholic school. Specifically, what was different about the afterlife from what you were picturing given your Catholic upbringing? Well, I thought that, well, first of all, I thought that my soul, I did believe in soul, and I thought that my soul was created to be Nancy Dannison, and that when I died, the part of me that I called soul would go into heaven and live kind of a more glorified human life, uh, free of pain and suffering, and that was partly right. The part that was right is that it is the soul that goes into the afterlife. The body dies permanently. It decomposes into the chemicals of which it is composed. But the soul isn't part of the body. The soul is, think of it like when you're dreaming how you you have a dreamscape and you have characters in your dreams and you're usually in the dream. You're inside one of your dream characters looking out, participating in the dream. Well, that's what the soul is. The soul is source, God, inside physical matter, looking out and experiencing the physical world through that physical matter. And so when the body dies, the part that's source's own self-awareness and consciousness just returns to the afterlife. Talking with Nancy Dannison, you can check out her website, nancydannison.com. Is it possible for people on Earth to communicate with people who have crossed over to the afterlife? Yes, but not in the way you think. There are, you know, the afterlife has stages. And in some of those, you know, just like human life has various stages, you know, childhood, adulthood, blah, blah. Um, the afterlife has stages. And during some of those stages, um, we souls in the afterlife can communicate back to the part of us that's still in human life. My understanding from the afterlife is that if information is going to come to you while you're in human form, it will come from the part of you that's still in the afterlife. Not all of you gets incarnated. Some of you stays in the afterlife. And that the part of you that stays in the afterlife isn't going to go through a medium or a psychic or some stranger. They're going to go directly to you. And a lot of times they do it in a dream. Hmm. As far as you can tell, 
Is reincarnation a choice for everybody? Yes. You can choose to incarnate or not. You can choose to incarnate anywhere in the universe. And while I was in the afterlife, I saw that I had lived hundreds and hundreds or maybe even thousands of physical lifetimes throughout the universe in every kind of creature and thing imaginable. Wow. Um, do you believe in in ghosts? Are there ghosts on this earth of uh, beings that have lived previously? I do believe in ghosts, but what I learned in the afterlife is that they are not in the physical world. What happens is because we all exist within the same mind, we all exist within Source's mind, from time to time we get a glimpse of another part of Source's mind, and we call it a ghost. But they're in the spiritual world. We're seeing into their world instead of them being in ours. Hmm. Uh, and in terms of, uh, I know you do a lot of workshops now, which are very well attended. I'm wondering what goes on at these workshops. If people are interested in learning about your experiences and learning about the afterlife, what do they learn if they participate in one of these workshops? I I learned so much in the afterlife that I uh, do webinars uh, on various slices of topics like the one I'm going to do on January or on uh, June 25th is called Be Your Own Psychic and it'll cover the information that I learned in the afterlife about you know how you can access information in the afterlife yourself. I did one on um, the root of all evil. You know, where does evil come from and why does it exist and why doesn't source stop it or intervene? Um, gosh, I can't think of some of the other topics. Mm-hmm. Um I did one on the purpose, the five purposes of life. Um, I did one on the stages of the afterlife. It's just, you know, whenever I think I've got about an hour's worth of information on a topic, I'll make that the subject of a webinar. Got it. And you, you indicated that some of the knowledge that you received included how and why religions in, evolved in the manner in which they did. Why did they? I mean, were you talking uh, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, uh, Hinduism, Sikhism, whatever the case may be. From the knowledge that you gained, why did these religions evolve along the way, along the manners in which they did? Because humans are innately afraid that early humans were terrified of the natural elements, and so they deified them. You know, they thought, well, you know, the wind must be a god, and if I do something to appease the wind, if I do something to please the wind, I will get fair winds for sailing. Same thing with the sun and the moon and, you know, everything that humans needed for survival and wanted to control – they deified. And then, you know, as time passed, they started deifying planets and stars and, you know, just about anything. And then they started creating humanoid gods because it's far easier to understand a humanoid god and, and presumably far easier to control a humanoid god because you know what pleases a human. It must also please, you know, a god. And so religion have evolved as Human needs for comfort and control over their lives evolved, and as society evolved, and more and more myths 
started creeping into what used to be the natural religions. And the purpose was to try to reduce some of the anxiety of this you know, really wild and woolly existence that humans have to live. Hmm. Uh, now, um, I'll, I'll end with this just because I'm curious about it. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, too. You indicated that you had seen how the, the Earth ends. Um, how does the Earth end? Is it a uh, some sort of is it a, a meteor, something like wiped out the dinosaurs or is it something like a, a nuclear war from a science fiction movie or is it something else? How, how does it all come to an end for us? It's none of the above. What um, when I was watching creation, I saw, you know, that Mars. I saw Mars while it was a green, verdant, you know, living planet, and I saw its destruction. And so when I saw Earth's destruction, you know, much later in time, I said to myself, "Oh, it goes the same way Mars did." But I don't remember what destroyed Mars. But it wasn't. It wasn't anything that humans would think of. Uh, any idea on uh, on a time frame? It's not uh, it's not before the end of the show or anything, is it? No, um, there is no time once you get outside of the human body. You know, time is an artificial concept for measuring units of experience. So it's impossible to predict time in you know, in the larger scale. But it wasn't any time soon. I'm you know I'm guessing that it was like millions of years. All right. Well, that's uh, that's something. Uh, that's at least some good news. Nancy, I, I appreciate you being forth, so forthcoming uh, with sharing your experiences on this. And uh, if people are curious about this, they could check out your website and your books at nancydanison.com. I hope we could talk again in the future. That would be wonderful, Frank. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy Dannison. That's some story. If you want to comment, you can do so. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-922. Wow, I'll tell you. 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.